Hey, honey, can you? I'm sorry. I... First Corinthians. Um, that's fine. That's fine. Thank you. It's right there. I left it. Anyway, hey, First Corinthians chapter one. You'll be glad to know I do know what time it is because it's right here. There's a clock right here, so I, I know. And I knew this was going to happen. I knew the prayer time was going to take a while. Robbie has a handout. He's going to go ahead and start passing those out. And I'm going to read while he's doing this, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to talk to you a little bit, and, and it's a long handout, so don't get all scared when you get it. Um, I want to read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and then we're going to look at Hebrews, cha- I mean uh, Romans chapter 1. If you look at the little handout, it we're talking about those of us that are saved being the called of Jesus Christ. Uh, which is an interesting way. The Bible says this several times, that we're called to be saints, or we're the called out ones, which goes along with the very word church. I've told you that numerous, numerous times about the word church meaning called out assembly. Now, there's several calls in the Bible. There's the call of salvation. uh, And then there's the call of ministry. As a matter of fact, our word vocation, some people don't realize this, our word vocation, and if you... I know in, in Christian circles, okay, like in church life, when I was coming up in my home church, when... When I felt like God was calling me to the ministry and I go down front when I was 16 and said to my pastor, I believe the Lord is calling me into the ministry, here's how they would present me to the church. They would say, and this was very common in those days, Bryce believes that God is calling him to the vocation of full-time ministry. They would use the word vocation. That it's... and. What's interesting is, and, and, and I understand what they were saying, and you understand what they were saying, but in all honesty, it wasn't just me that has the vocation of full-time ministry. It's not just pastors. The word vocation comes from a Latin word, vocare, which means called. The calling, or a calling. The fact is, if you're here today and you're saved, you have a vocation. You have a vocation of a call. And that call is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. That's your calling. That, you know, when you're looking for your purpose in life, uh, I know Paul, I mean, the Lord spoke to Peter and simplified it. He says, Go. Stand and speak to the people in the temple. Peter said, what do we do? And so here's, here's what you do. You go, you stand, you speak God's Word to the people. All of us that are in this room have been called, and our calling is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. That's God's will for you. So you don't, need to be, you know, you don't have to fret about His will. His will is, His call is for you to follow Him and to do what He says do. 
Now, I know I don't have time to go through this whole handout, but I do want to, uh, or at least make comments about all the things that are on this handout. But let me read 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1, 1, and I'll read a few verses, but I do want to also go to Romans chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 1, 1 says, I, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle, The word apostolos is, you're not in the title, not in the official role, you're not an apostle, but yet you are an apostle because the word apostolos means a sent one. You, when you were saved by the grace of God, God has sent you. You are a sent one. So in one sense, all of us are apostles. We've been sent by Christ. Paul says, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, sanctification, another word for set apart, sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together. I remind you that The word saint is never singular. I've said this a dozen times. Saint is never in the New Testament singular. It's always plural because the saints are meant to be together. So Paul says to the Corinthians, called to be saints together with all of those in every place Call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you drop down to verse 9, he says, God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Called into the fellowship of His Son. This is why all throughout Paul's writings, he called us co-laborers together with Christ. We're called into the fellowship of His Son. Called. Called to be saints. The called of Jesus Christ. Go to Romans chapter 1. I know it's hard not to do your little worksheet. I'll help you with it in just a minute. Romans 1. Now these... 1 Corinthians was written before the book of Romans just by almost two years. Matter of fact, Paul was at Corinth when he wrote the book of Romans. Did you listen to what he says to the believers at Rome? And listen, he mentions the call, he mentions his own call in every epistle that he wrote. And he always mentions it's by the grace of God. You, now think about it, you've been called into the ministry. Now, that doesn't mean that you're supposed to be a pastor, an associate pastor. That's not, But it's serving the King. Ministry. Most of the time, the word ministry in the Greek New Testament is the word servant. Diakonos. We are servants. So all of us that are saved are called into the ministry. We are the called of Jesus Christ. Called to be saints. 
Look what Paul says to the Romans. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. I'm almost positive in the Greek that's the word uh, doulos, uh, which is the word slave, not necessarily the word diakonos means. Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. That is a great verse. Set apart for the gospel of God. That word uh, set apart, the root word is horizon. And what it, it means ordained, that God has set a plan for Paul from beginning to end. In God's mind, He's marked off Paul's life from beginning to end. And, and this root word has the word horizon, that at the end of things, God knows the end of the plan is for him to serve Jesus all of his life. It's kind of the idea. Set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, it's all about the cross of Christ. We're called to talk about the cross redemption. I talked about this Friday at the funeral, at Charles's funeral. It's about the cross redemption, pay the price, and the resurrection. The tomb is empty. And because the tomb is empty, we have the good news that we can preach there's death after life. I mean, there's life after death. So that's our responsibility is called to be saints, is to talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, which... Paul mentions twice it's the good news. Now, your handout. I've got three minutes. You know, I find it interesting in, uh, when you study the Scriptures, just all kind of things that just are amazing. The word saints, okay, um, it, it's the root word for holy or holiness. The word holiness the word holiness, the root word for holiness is translated, the root word is saints. Uh, holiness is, you know, if you take this one word, it's used about 70 times translated saints, and about 150 times it's translated holiness. So saints are set apart to be holy. But the first time saints is used in the New Testament, uh, they, you know, it appears 70 times in the Greek New Testament. But the first time the word saints is used, interesting enough, is, you may not find that, but it's so shocking to me, was, it's found in Matthew 
I think it's Matthew 26 or 27. I didn't look at it specifically, but it's somewhere around. It's, it's the scene where at, when, the, when the earthquake happened, when Jesus died. Hang in there with me. I'm going to get there. When Christ was on the cross, Paul just sang about it. There was an earthquake when, when He breathed His last. The veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom, but something else happened that a lot of people don't remember. That Matthew says that in the city of Jerusalem, really right outside the city, there were a bunch of graves. Sepulchers were opened up during this earthquake. And that after Jesus... They couldn't come out when Christ was still on the cross, could they? Now listen to me. The tombs, the sepulchers, what they, call, they were opened during the earthquake. But the bodies didn't come out of the tomb when Christ was on the cross. They couldn't. Why? That's right. Christ is the first fruits. So the Bible says in Matthew, I think it's 27, that after the resurrection, the saints, that many saints came out of the tombs and went into the city and showed themselves alive. That's what it says. But that's the first thing. And I love it because it's connected to the resurrection. And those of us that are saints, one of the great promises is that being in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, what happened to Him is going to happen to us. There is a resurrection from the dead. And it is a literal resurrection, a bodily resurrection. And of course, funeral is on my mind because I, I, we did it on Friday for Charles, but that's one of the great promises that you share at a funeral for a believer. That exactly what Christ conquered was death. The last enemy was death. And He conquered that as the last Adam. And whatever happened to Him as the last Adam in my new birth is going to happen to me. So that is my encouragement for obeying Him is because the promises He's given. Now, I am out of time. Let's look at the top of your little handout, okay? John 13, 20 says, He who receives you receives me. This is a statement he made to the apostles, okay? To the disciples. And that, to a large degree, though we're not apostles, this, in the official sense, this still holds true. If, if they, they have to receive the message we have, that's how the world receives Christ. The little statement that scholars say is that the one who is sent is as He who sent Him. And really what that meant was for the apostles. They had the authority of Christ. Uh, so one of the things you can read about or talk about or hear people talk about is apostolic authority. Now, from an official sense, I'm not an apostle. From being a sent one, I am an apostle and you are too. But the official role of apostles is they had the very authority of Christ. This is why Christ said something about the church being built and He's given the keys of the kingdom to the apostles and to the church. It's they represent Him. They have that authority. It says, All who are called to be saints share a divine summons to follow and serve Jesus. Everybody in this room that's ever been saved, there is a divine call. And if we had the worksheet at the bottom, if you'd read the last one, the fill in the blank, 
The last one says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. So I'm giving you that answer now. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Now what does that mean? All of us that are saved, we're called to be saints. We're called to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to me. Not only is our salvation irrevocable, and we know that because He's guaranteed us salvation. He gave us His Spirit. It's what He says. I get, you have the Holy Spirit and that is the guarantee that everything else I've promised you, I'm going to give you. So He's the guarantee of salvation. So salvation is irrevocable. You can't lose something that's not yours. It's His salvation. And through grace, you've been saved. Not of works, so you can't boast. But also, besides salvation being irrevocable, gifts are irrevocable. And so, so let me tell you what this means. When you got saved, part of God's distribution to you in salvation was He gave you gifts. They're literally translated grace gifts. It's the word grace and gifts put together. Grace. He gave you gifts. We call them spiritual gifts. Not fruits of the Spirit. All of us have that the same. Fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. These are gifts of the Holy Spirit and they're different for everybody. They may, we may have the same gift, but they manifest different because we're all different. I know I'm out of time, but hang in there with me. Folks, as a steward for Christ, as a steward, as a saint, as a steward of God's kingdom, that gift or gifts that He gave you at salvation are irrevocable. Now let me tell you what that means. Let's say you have the gift of hospitality or the gift of administration or the gift of exhortation or the gift of teaching, whatever gift of giving, whatever term you gifts that you have. If you're not using that gift for the glory of God, as a steward, you are failing God every moment of every day. And the matter of fact, the Bible says He gave you those gifts, not for yourself, not so you can boast, not so people will brag on you, but He gave it to you for the church. Paul uses this phrase several times, for the building up of the body of Christ. Now, as those that are called to be saints, here's just one point and we're going to close. In your salvation, called to be saints, the gifts you have are to be used for the glory of God through the church. That's what saints do. And that's why Paul says, saints together. And then he goes on to say, in every place and in every church. This is how it works. The saints gather together and they share their gifts one with another. And that's how God builds up His church. For the building up of the body of Christ. Folks, if you're saved, you're called to be saints. You're called to be holy ones. And holy ones obey the Lord Jesus Christ and serve His church. Amen? Let's stand together for prayer. Because of time, we won't do an invitation. But thank you for your presence this morning. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Oh, 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 oh. Thank you, Robbie, for reminding me. 
as a pastor, I, I really missed something this week, and I want you, I sent some deacons some information about this, and some of the guys have come. But Neil Edwards, Neil and Audrey, I when I say this, they sit back here, my left. Um, Audrey is is her dad, is Pastor Angel, that's in Ecuador that we're bringing here. Okay, that's the change for change. He's the pastor in Ecuador. Audrey, Neil and Audrey. Neil's father passed away Monday. And uh, I did not know it till Robbie texted me Friday morning. And so, FYI, those of you who know Audrey and uh, Neil, please check on them. The visitation is today at Morning View Baptist, and the services are tomorrow. I'm not sure about the time. What time is visitation? I think you did know that. Is it 2? Visitation is today at 2 at Morning View, and I know the funeral is tomorrow. Also at morning, you so you want to be praying uh, because Neil's dad was a young man, uh, Neil Edwards. Uh, we want to pray for him, folks. Thank you for being here today. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'll save somebody today. I, I pray that the power of your word will follow a sinner home and the Spirit and the Word will absolutely drive them to their knees to repentance. Father, we pray for TJ, for Tim, Mary Ann, and Christine. Lord, we pray for Neil and Audrey Edwards. Father, we pray for the church. God, help us to be the saints of God at Redland Baptist Church. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great afternoon. Thank you for being here.